Maybe if you don't want to talk, you could just listen. Foster and you are listening to your third favorite above average and infinitely curious podcast, Dimed Out. And on this week's episode of the podcast, we are going to put some seriously heavy emphasis on the infinitely curious part. Now, if you follow me on the social medias on Twitter and Instagram, you will no doubt kind of have an idea, I'm hoping, of what to expect in this episode. If you don't, don't worry, because we're going to get into it in uno momento. But what is happening, guys? What is going on with you? How was your Valentine's Day? Eventful? Uneventful? Do you even care? More to the point. What I want to know, actually, genuinely, is if this was your first Valentine's with a new partner, a new significant other. How was that? Especially if, you know, obviously it's a new relationship if it's your first Valentine's. How is that going? How is cultivating and growing a romantic relationship in the COVID-19 era? How's that going? How's that working for you? Likewise, if you are single and ready to mingle, if you are out there in the dating pool, what is that looking like nowadays? How is that working? Is that easier? Is it easier to sort of vet sort of mismatches and people that just don't fit? I like how my brain instantly goes to the fact that you're just rifling through people that are not suitable for you. I mean, there may be people out there finding their soulmates because of the, the, the change in structure. I don't know, but my brain is just instantly thinking people are going through uh, the same kind of horrendous dates they would be in real life, only via a webcam. I hope that is not the case. Yeah, I hope if you are in the dating arena, if you are going through all of all of the bullshit that goes with that, that it's, um, it's going well for you and that it is actually easier doing it this way. I, I don't know. I don't know how how that would how that would work in in a lot of ways and in some ways yeah because you don't have the hassle of of dressing up and going out well i suppose you want to dress up even if you're doing a, a zoom date you want to dress up right you want to look nice even through the lens of a webcam but you don't have the hassle of going out to dinner and you know <laughs> dealing with the general public as well as your expectations for somebody on a date and your expectations of yourself you know you're taking away a lot of the external pressure but at the same time i suppose if it's just you peering into somebody's study or their bedroom or wherever they've got their computer set up it's um it's a different level of intimacy i suppose yeah fascinating if if you have been in that sort of situation if you have found a new relationship during covid or you are as i say sort of navigating the dating arena then uh, do get in touch, yeah, get in touch and let me know how that's going for you. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at IamMalFoster, yeah. Now, if you are new to this show, first and foremost, welcome, take your shoes off, make yourself comfortable, I will pop the kettle on, and whilst I'm doing that, you should also know that this is the point in the show where I like to encourage anybody who hasn't listened to last week's episode to go and do that, and that is doubly so for last week's episode. Yes, last week's episode, season two, episode eight, was an absolute blast to record and put together. Last week, I had the absolute pleasure and privilege to sit down and chat with esteemed scientist and senior astrologer for SETI, Dr. Seth Shostak. He was kind enough to lend me some time, and together we had a great conversation and created, in my humble opinion, a pretty great introduction to the idea of searching for extraterrestrial life. So if you have even just a passing, remote, faint interest in the idea of intelligent beings out there in the universe, the idea that we are not alone, what is being done to try and establish contact with whatever may be out there, last week's episode is an absolute must listen to. As for this week's episode, well, let's just get into it. Let's do it. Infinitely curious. It is the first side project to come from Dimed Out, and it is the first collection of original music featured on episodes of Dimed Out or inspired by the podcast in some way. So, yeah, essentially I have made an album, which is kind of surreal to think, let alone even say, because that was never the intention. 
The idea started when I first began to put together Dimed Out as an, as an idea itself, when I was beginning to formulate what might it, it look like, what it may sound like, the sort of presentation of it, ideas that I had going forward. And one of those ideas was to add a little bit of spice, a little bit of uh, je ne sais quoi, a bit of uh, va-va-voom to the production value. And one of the ideas to do that was to create and craft some original music. Now, this is something that I'm no stranger to, and I want to preface this before we get any further. I am not a musician. I do not consider myself a musician. I've never thought of myself as a musician. Yes, I have tried my hand at a couple of instruments, and I've peaked at about amateur level at very best. I have been in a couple of bands when I was much, much younger, very short-lived bands for good reason, um, but I'm not a musician. I have a deep, deep love and appreciation for music, but I'm not a musician. I am a hobbyist who, for a number of years, has tinkered around with, played with, experimented with different kinds of music, primarily hip-hop, because that's a genre I've loved since about the age of 16, but I've also played around with ambient music, different strands of electronica, techno, drum and bass, and just played around with music. It's been kind of like a sandbox, like a sort of open canvas of sorts for me to just tinker about with. That is a good word, because that's what I think I do. I'm a tinkerer. Yeah, so putting together the idea for the podcast, I wanted original music, and I wanted to just get in there and do it myself and kind of just have fun with it and play you about with ideas and different sounds and different genres. And that's how it started, as 15, 20 seconds sort of bridges of music between segments, little transitional pieces. But the more I started working on them, the more I actually found it to be as fun as I was hoping it would be, and the more I began to mutate and grow these transitional pieces into things that became what you're about to hear now. Because that is the crux for this week's episode. As I said, it's a little bit loosey-goosey, it's a little bit casual, it's a little bit fun. It's somewhat of a celebration of something that I put some time and some effort into, and that I am genuinely quite proud about. So we're going to be playing some tracks from the album, we're going to be playing some stuff that didn't make the album. We're going to be playing some stuff that is nowhere near finished, but I've had fun putting together. And we're going to maybe play some stuff that I'm working on and looking towards putting into a different collection at some point in the future. So, yeah, we're going to be playing some music. And the great thing about that is I don't have to worry about licensing because I am the person who would license it, considering I've made everything you're about to hear. And we're going to be talking about them, going to be breaking down different tracks, kind of giving you a little bit of insight, some stories, bits and pieces. Like I said, it's going to be kind of casual, kind of fun, kind of a celebration of this thing that I've made and hopefully you're going to enjoy. To give you just a little bit of an insight before we get underway, the genres that I'm working with here, the genres that have really sort of shaped and sculpted the sound of Infinitely Curious are lo-fi beats in general, lo-fi hip-hop sort of synth wave, vapor wave stuff a little bit, down tempo, ambient, um, that kind of stuff. So if that is in your wheelhouse, or if it's not, but you're willing to kind of, I don't know, open your your palette somewhat a little bit and try something different, that's what you can expect in the, the rest of the episode. But um, yeah, we're going to get into it. I'm going to talk to you about some of the tracks. Uh, but in the meantime, let's play the first one off the album. Let's play the opening track, which is called Lucid Dreaming.
Alright guys, there you go, that is Lucid Dreaming, that's the first track of Infinitely Curious, that is the album opener. It's a track that I've kind of had sat doing nothing for a long, long time, and as I was beginning to sort of develop some of the tracks into to a point where I was thinking of just doing like a four, maybe five track EP, I was looking at some stuff that I had archived, a lot of loose ends, things that were kind of rough, or just nowhere near finished, and seeing if I could beef them up, or see if I could actually move them on somewhere else and fill them out or complete them or just do something with a number of stuff that I had just sat there and that was one of them in fact if I remember rightly it had just a very generic name like track one or new one or new two it didn't have a title its title kind of came as I was finishing it which would be about the time that I was doing the editing for the Danny Longo episode in this season that would be episode three um, and of course we talk about lucid dreaming in that episode quite a bit and it just kind of felt like that actually sort of fits the tonality of the track and thought yeah all right okay yeah this is uh this is lucid dreaming i dig this that's what we're going to name this i picked it as the album opener for a couple of reasons the first being that i really feel it sets the precedent for the rest of the album i feel like it really kind of sets the tone and mood for the stuff that follows and it's, just, it's a good sort of opening track, I think, considering the sort of textures, the sonic shapes, the colours, the, the ideas, the elements that are thrown into the rest of the record. I think it's a good way to sort of kick things off. The other reason is that for me, it's somewhat of a homage to two of my biggest influences when it comes to sort of tinkering around with music. And that is Jay Diller and Mad Villain. Uh, if you've never heard of either of those, please, please, please do yourself a favour and dive deep into their discography, both Madlib and MF Dooms individually, but Mad Villain together collectively is a must, especially the album Mad Villainy. Jay Diller as a whole, as a producer for other people, as a solo artist is also a must. So your homework, if you like the sound of that and you like the sound of the other stuff and you're just curious, if you yourself are infinitely curious to learn more about the, the music that has shaped what you're hearing, then I highly recommend Mad Villainy by Mad Villain and Donuts by Jay Diller. Not only are they just absolute beasts, absolute works of art, but they really did have a, a profound effect on the way that I approach my tinkering, especially when it comes to execution and track length. Much as I do like the idea of using length and space and time to explore different things, I also really like the idea of seeing what you can achieve within a short space of time, setting yourself parameters, seeing if you can get in, do something, say something, make a statement, leave a mark within a small amount of time. And if you listen to either of those two albums I mentioned, you will see that both of those do that and then some. So yeah, it kind of left me with the desire to try and not so much copy or ape that, but go along with that sort of ethos of uh, what can I do in a short space of time. On the topic of Mad Villain and Mad Lib and MF Doom, this next track I'm about to play you is pretty much, it was designed to be a homage. It was, at the time, I had everything that is on the album now, but I had a few ideas written down that I wanted to at least have a try at, at seeing if they could result anything, if I could sort of bear any fruit from some of these ideas I had. And this is one of them. It's called Undisputable. And it is extremely rough, it is completely unfinished, and it's, um, yeah, it's something. But I started with the sample, which is taken from the movie Santo and Blue Demon versus the Monsters. Yeah, if you're unfamiliar, just, just, just Google it, I'm not going to go into details. Um, and I went from there and took it to some strange places, which you'll hear right now.
Sarego, that is undisputable and understandably it didn't make the final cut for the album, but it was just something I was having a little bit of fun with, messing around with, um, that I wanted to throw in there. So yeah, as I said, the sample at the beginning is from uh, Santel and Blue Demon versus the Monsters. Uh, Blue Demon is just like an absolute icon in Mexican pop culture, a dude that just sort of transcended past Lucha Libre into to movies and comics and just, he was everywhere and understandably so. There's just something very engaging and charismatic about him. Um, yeah, dig into that if you're interested. Seriously worth your time if you are. I don't know, maybe there's a whole episode in there. Perhaps. Maybe there's a big question mark on that, so don't hold me to that. But if, you know, people want to hear an episode on Blue Demon, I'm more than willing to do that. But yeah, that was the idea for the sample, to take something from a Blue Demon movie and put like a rugged beat underneath it and then do a switch somewhere. But I had no idea where <laughs> the switch was going to lead. And I certainly didn't plan to to sample the theme from Topcat, which is what you can hear sort of cutting in and out. I heard a glimmer of that whilst listening to the Radcliffe and McConey Six Music Weekend show, and uh, was like, "Yeah, all right, let's let's have a go at that. Let's see if we can make that work." And uh, yeah, so that's what that is, and that's why it's in there. Uh, and then, of course, it, it bleeds out into to that thing at the the back end. That the sexy? There's a big question mark on that. I don't know if you find that sexy. I don't even know if I find that sexy. Um, but a sexy neo soul type thing where I'm just playing about with the filter at the end. As I said, completely unfinished, very rough. Don't know if that's ever going to get finished or if that is the only time anyone will ever hear it. But there it is. Blue Demon, Tom Cat, and sexy filtering. All in one spot. Hey, maybe that can be a challenge for next Valentine's Day. Get that track finished and, and get it out there for some sort of sexy, romantic Valentine's jam. <laughs> I don't know. Um, speaking of Valentine's and love, this next track is called A Lot of Love. I feel like I'm doing a DJ show now. This next track is called A Lot of Love. Um, It is one of the first, if not the first songs that I actually finished for the album. And uh, yeah, rather than talk about it anymore, I'll, I'll let you listen to it and then we'll jump in and chat about it after. that is a lot of love the the title is pretty self-explanatory it's just taken straight from the sample Uh, as i said that was one of the first songs finished it was also one of the first pieces of instrumental music done for the podcast itself uh, which is probably why it was one of the first completed songs uh yeah i like that it's one of my favorites off the album i like the second half better because i like the use of space 
I like the fact that I've been able to get in there and kind of use and utilize some sort of uh, different sounding strings and percussion. I've always kind of had an affinity for sort of Eastern sounding string instruments and percussion and African percussion, African string instruments as well. I'm being specific there because I hate the phrase world music. It's just so very all-encompassing and kind of whiffy and somewhat fake sounding. I, I just, oh yeah, ugh, world music. Um, but yeah, it's kind of indicative of some of the stuff I've done in the past. But I honestly have to say of a, of a higher quality, I feel that I can uh, I can say there's been some growth and improvement in that area. So yeah, I like that. Hopefully you do too. The next track I'm going to play for you is possibly my favourite on the album because it was so much fun to put together. And uh, I'll tell you about it after you've heard it. This is uh, The Heat. Hopefully you enjoy this one as well. So there you go, that is The Heat. And as I said, that's one of my favourite, if not my favourite tracks off the album, because it was a lot of fun to put together once I actually found something that worked. This is something I've kind of had somewhat in the works for a long, long time. So the sample at the start, if you're wondering, is from the 2016 documentary Bright Lights, which follows Carrie Fisher and her mum, Debbie Reynolds. I saw that movie on a plane in 2016, and there's a scene in which the pair of them are at the Great Wall of China. There's a loudspeaker playing some music, and as you can hear Carrie Fisher there saying, Listen to the music, it's melting with the heat. And when I heard that, it just struck me as like, I need to use that in something. I have no idea what, I have no idea how. But I need to use that. That is a great sample. So for about four and a bit years, I've kind of had that in the back pocket. And I had no idea how to utilize it, what I was going to do with it. And that became very evident when I actually tried to use it, when I tried to incorporate it into different things. This is, <laughs> that sample has been used in so many half-baked non-starter ideas 
that I can't even probably count them on two hands. Just nothing seemed to fit. Everything that I was throwing at this just wasn't working. It just wasn't clicking. And what's interesting about this track is I can... This is the only track where I can tell you... I know which episode it features on. Everything else is kind of a blur, but I know for a fact that The Heat started off as a piece of transitional music on the episode with Scott Davidson from Living Adaptive. I was using the sample, I was trying things, it wasn't working, and I just, I found myself stuck and really kind of disheartened. You know, after having that eureka moment on the plane, trying to turn it into something pretty special, it wasn't working. Uh, So I just, I, I left it after getting really frustrated with it, finished doing the editing for the conversation, did some more music um, elsewhere, and kind of came back to it as a sort of last resort. And lo and behold, that's when things did start to click. That's when things kind of came together. And uh, it, it kind of just flowed pretty quickly from there on. And that is very typical. And it's uh, it's also a good reminder for myself that when something isn't working, when I feel like I'm bashing my head against the wall trying to get something to work, when it just won't come, then the best thing to do is just walk away, leave it, and do something else. Come back to it when it's kind of completely out of your mind, and uh, you'll probably see things with a fresh pair of eyes. I don't do that enough, nowhere near as much as I should, but uh, as I said, this is a good reminder for me to do that. The overall sound of it, the sort of sonic uh, qualities of it, the sonic tonality, the sort of timbre, the, the ideas, the, the influences in there, very much, again, a homage, but this time to obviously jazz hop, to the sort of golden era hip-hop that I've kind of really, really got into in my late teens, early 20s. Uh, stuff that I've always, always had a soft spot for, like the production from Q-Tip with A Tribe Called Quest, all the way to the latest album from Blue and Exile, Miles, which came out last year, which, again, is fantastic. And, uh, yeah, I've always kind of had sort of an affinity. I've always kind of had, like, a real soft spot for sort of jazzy influences in hip-hop and jazz hop as a whole. Um, so, yeah, it, it kind of just felt it felt comfortable, and maybe that's why it came together as as quickly as it did when it finally did unlock and uh, begin to piece itself together nicely all right guys the next track i'm going to play you is called the space around us i'm going to tell you all about it after you've heard it I believe in an energy form. I wouldn't. Uh, put, I wouldn't like to put a name to it. Do you indulge in any form of worship? Um. I life. I love life very much indeed.
right, guys, so there you go. That is the space around. It's kind of different to the other stuff you've heard so far and probably one of the more different-sounding tracks on the album. What's interesting here is that it is actually one of the oldest pieces on Infinitely Curious in the sense that I've had this sitting there almost fully complete. I did revamp it a little bit, made some tweaks, but for the most part, it's kind of had its full form for about two years. It wasn't made for the show, but I felt listening back to it, and as I say, making those tweaks, making those slight revamps to it, it really kind of fit with what the the, the shape of the album was beginning to look like, and it kind of fit sonically with some of the other stuff that was included, and really, it kind of felt like this is something I probably would have made as a piece of transitional music, like the tone of it just felt like it was a good fit, and so I wanted to include it, because it was nice to kind of finally do something with it after having sort of sat on it uh, for about two years, as I say. There's a lot of things in there that I like, in particular I like, and it's such a tiny thing, but the sort of gentle wood percussion used, and some of the slightly strange tones that sort of dance around it. Uh, yeah, it's nice, it's different, it's, it's more gentle. What's interesting in this as well is that the use of the sample it's from a tv interview that david bowie did and i feel like the actual dialogue from the interview that i've sampled there actually really fits the tone the sound of the song and also kind of fits a lot of the general vibe of the podcast itself you know it kind of very much reflects uh, a lot of my personal beliefs and uh, it, it just fits really well i think with the album and with that song in particular but what is interesting is that is not the original sample that I used that was kind of put in uh, as a replacement. The original sample I had on that track was a uh, sort of pitched down, slowed down version of uh, Let's Dance by Bowie. And it was the line, put on your red shoes and dance the blues, but pitch shifted and processed. And at first I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. It's kind of like a nod to, to a, another great influence of mine. But um, it just didn't work. It didn't sound good. It just didn't fit. Didn't match the sound of the record. So I, I took it out and replaced it with the, the interview sample, which I think actually works, as I say, a lot better and fits the tone of both the album and the show a lot better. All right, the next track I'm going to play for you is called Setting Sun. I'm going to play it to you and, uh, and what is becoming somewhat of a format here on this episode. I'll, I'll talk to you about it afterwards.
All right, guys, there you go. That is Setting Sun. And that is actually the last song that I finished for the album. That was the last track to be completed. And it was also the closest thing to being cut off the finished product as well, because it's different to everything else. And at first, I just kind of felt like it was dramatically different, mainly because it's more organic. There's live instrumentation uh, and just it kind of has a different sound to it than anything else on the record. It's the closest thing to post-rock. Um, and I love post-rock, by the way, a huge fan of post-rock drone ambient music. Uh, this will destroy you. One of my favorite bands of all times. Um, but it just, I, I don't know. It just felt like it was a little bit out of place. But the thing that I think that convinced me to keep it on was the, the end section, you know, the, the sort of psychedelic noodling that you've got going on there, the sort of flutters and the use of empty space and the, the strange echoes in there. Uh, I think that's actually what persuaded me to, to put it on the album in the end. And I'm pleased I did, actually, because it is different. It kind of sticks out a little bit, but hopefully for good reason. All right, I'm going to play you two songs now, back to back. The first is called All For You, and the second is called Who I Am. And a big, huge, massive influence on both of these tracks are lo-fi mixes. Whilst writing the book that eventually one day I will hopefully finish, I have been listening to a lot of these lo-fi mixes over the last year. Uh, Bootleg Boy is a great YouTube user. going to shout out Bootleg Boy for some of his mixes. Um, and I just, I just love the tone of it. I just love, there's almost like a trance-like quality to a lot of this, this music. I really wasn't that familiar with a lot of lo-fi stuff until I started listening to these sort of mixes on YouTube, but I've really kind of got into them. Cause as I say, there's like a trance-like state, there's a hypnotic quality to it, but there's layers underneath, there's definite viable mechanics within the compositions if you listen to it, but it's kind of just got that beautiful dream-like state about it and there is just something kind of melancholic about it there's something kind of romantic about it there's something nostalgic about it i saw i cannot remember which mix it was but there was a user who left a comment on one of these mixes on youtube and it was something along the lines of this makes me nostalgic for somebody i've never met and i was like damn that is like the best way to crystallize the sort of tone of this music. It makes you nostalgic for somebody, somewhere, something that you've not encountered. And by proxy, that's kind of helped shape the thing that I'm actually writing a little bit, that whole vibe, that whole tone. And uh, as a sort of byproduct, it's, it's rubbed itself off on the, the music that I was making for these transitional bridges for the podcast that then became these two tracks. Yeah. As I said, these are two bang to bang. It's called All For You. And then the second track is called Who I Am.
So there you go, that was all for you and who I am. As I said, both of them very much influenced and inspired by lo-fi mixes and, and just g- general lo-fi aesthetics and, and sound and, you know, the, the sort of wide spectrum that seems to be growing from that whole sort of musical movement. Uh, if you've never heard this kind of sound before, this genre before, there is a plethora of stuff for you to go and dive into if this is kind of uh, got you interested to check out more. Hopefully you recognise the dialogue sample at the end and the beginning of the last track there, Who I Am, which is where the, the song obviously gets its title from. It is, of course, from the beautiful, the amazing, the wonderful Spike Jones feature film, Her, which, of course, you all knew that, right? Because you're all massive fans of that movie, too. If you are, then you may you may have heard. If you haven't, then this is some good news for you. Uh, Arcade Fire and Owen Paulette are going to be releasing the, the full score for that movie, finally like six to seven years after it came out. I think it's six to seven years. It's been a while. It's been a long time, or at least it feels like a long time, that the world has been without the score to that beautiful movie. So yeah, that's some good news for all of us. All right, I'm going to play you some tracks here that didn't make the album, that aren't on the album, because again, kind of like Undisputable, they're not finished, they're really rough. Uh, they are loose strands, which one day I may go back to and finish. I don't know, but I just thought it would be kind of interesting and fun to throw them on. They are both extremely different from one another uh, <laughs> in terms of the genres, ideas, styles, everything. They are like chalk and musical cheese right here. The first is called Alistair's House. And it was a piece of music that I was originally creating for the recent YouTube Magical Mystery Tour episode, which, of course, one of the subjects we touched upon was Alistair Crowley. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I, I just, just, just take a listen. <laughs> Oh, 
Yeah, so there you go. That is Alistair's house. As I said, it was uh, originally... I started it because it is, as you can tell, not finished whatsoever, but it was originally started and intended to be a piece of music for the recent YouTube Magical Mystery episode in the segment where we talk about Alistair Crowley. It is something. It is a, a piece of psychedelic house which features a sample of Alistair Crowley himself, uh, a voice recording that was lifted from a wax cylinder, hence like the, the genuine uh, crackles in there, not post-added superficial crackles, but those are actual crackles from a, a sort of low-res recording on a wax cylinder. The idea is pretty cool. Uh, the, the product, as it stands... Is uh, is something. There's potential there. There's potential, but if that gets fulfilled, if that gets made into something, um, I I have no idea. But I just thought it'd be kind of fun to share Alistair's house there for you. The next track is called French Cuts. That is a completely tentative title, simply because it's sort of influenced by French touch um, style house and dance music of a certain era. It was uh, originally developed, and I think I did actually use it as a transitional bridge on the episode with Danny Longo, which we talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, well, here it is. Cuts, um, just simply because I needed a name for it. And as I said, I was kind of looking to dive into the sort of French touch uh, style of house music and dance music of, of the 90s. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's there. There's something there. The, the problem that I have at the minute is that it just seems to be stuck in that groove and I'm um, having a little bit of difficulty moving it elsewhere. But it's fun. It's kind of funky, kind of gets you moving. It's very different to anything else you've heard on here and it's definitely not indicative of what you can expect on Infinitely Curious but it was it was fun to sort of dive in and sort of play about with different ideas and different genres and styles and who knows maybe I'll go back and, and actually finish that who knows maybe I'll do like a small EP of, of similar stuff as well at some point speaking of EPs the next thing outside of Infinitely Curious music wise from Dimed Out that I am looking to do is an EP, but it is of a very different kind. And this next track, which is uh, tentatively titled Rom, is uh, is kind of a good example of what I'm going for. It is more within the realm of like industrial music, experimental electronica, IDM. It's a bit glitchy, it's a bit weird, it's a bit heavy and dense and a touch loud. So I'm going to give you fair warning and just say maybe turn your volume down a little bit. Don't worry, it's not going to break your eardrums, but it is definitely a bit louder, a bit more dense, a bit more mechanical than anything we've had on the episode so far. So just, uh, yeah, just giving you a little bit of a heads up there. But this is uh, this is what I'm thinking of working with for, for the next project.
Yeah, so there you go. That is ROM, R-O-M, read-only memory, of course, and uh, kind of tapping into one of the topics that we've talked about in the past, kind of digging into the whole transhumanism stuff, and I think that's pretty much where that started from. That started off as a transitional piece, which I cannot remember off the top of my head if I actually used in the transhumanist episode with James, but that's kind of what spurred the idea to kind of go in a more industrial, experimental, sort of glitchy uh, sort of arena for the next project. As I say, I think it's going to be an EP. Got a couple of tracks that I'm happy with and some things I'm working on in the time being. Uh, of course, some of you may have recognised the Ghost in the Machine samples in there. Uh, some of them used pretty nicely, if I say so myself. And uh, yeah, it's a good example of what I'm hoping to do for the next music project. However, for this one, this current project, Infinitely Curious, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, it is available for you to go and stream in full and for you to buy if you so wish to do that at a name-your-own-price kind of thing. You can find it over at Bandcamp. I am malfoster.bandcamp.com or you can just go to either the social medias mentioned at I am Malfoster or to our website, dimed-out. Com. It's available in all of those places if you want to hear the thing in full. So we've got one more track to play for you, but we're going to save that for the end. That is going to be our outro for this week's episode. It's also going to be the outro for the next two weeks because I'm going to be taking a mid-season break after this episode. We're going to be gone for two weeks, trying to pull some strings, get some things circulating and percolating for future episodes. So yeah, we're going to have a little bit of a hiatus but when i return in march we're going to be keeping things on a musical tip because we're going to be diving into a very ambitious and uh yeah to be honest i really don't know how to fully describe this musical project so i'm just going to read you the first two lines from its wiki page the project we're going to be looking at when we come back from the mid-season break is called everywhere at the end of time by a musician called The Caretaker. It is a six-part drone and dark ambient album released from 2016 to 2019. It's six and a half hours long and explores and depicts Alzheimer's disease. It looks at memory and the degradation of memory. So it goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. This is obviously a very heavy, dense project and covering six and a half hours of music dedicated towards that idea and that concept is a very dense experience to go through. An experience I'm going to be detailing in the episode, which we will be coming back with in two weeks. So I'm telling you this, I'm giving you this heads up because I know that it's not for everybody and understandably so. So if you want to miss out on next week's episode, if it just does not seem like something you want to spend time listening to, again, for understandable reasons, no harm, no foul, no offense taken whatsoever. But that is what we're going to be doing in season two, episode 10, after the mid-season break. So if it does sound like something you're interested in, if you're interested to hear my take on the six and a half hour experience, uh, what I felt, what I went through uh, and what I think afterwards with some time removed, then uh, yeah, that's what's going to be happening in a couple of weeks time. But as for this episode, that's pretty much it. The usual spiel, here it comes. If you're new to the show and you haven't done so already, the best way you can help support us and show some love is simply to subscribe. We are available pretty much on any and every podcast platform, including your favourite. So if you haven't already, then go and subscribe. Not only does it help us out here at the show, but it allows you to have every episode delivered without you lifting a finger to a device of your choosing so everybody wins there is an additional support package available as well if you have really enjoyed this then get yourself over to patreon.com forward slash dined out you can read up about our one single five dollar tier and all the rewards you can get there as well if you choose to do that other than that uh, that's it for this episode i've really enjoyed putting this project together it's been a labor of love at times but it's also been really fun and really creative and it's been such a good output for me as mentioned you can find it on bandcamp to stream and to download if you want to do that uh, best place and simplest place is social media twitter instagram at i am mal foster or go to our website dimed hyphen out 
Facebook.com. Give it a listen in its full. Let me know what you think. I'm about to play you the last track from the album. It is the shortest track on the album. It's probably the shortest piece of music I've ever sort of put together, but it is quite possibly, if not probably, my favourite piece of music I've ever put together. It's called Till the End. It is very deeply influenced by a producer called Burial and the sounds and ideas behind hauntology. I'll leave those terms and that artist for you to go and check out. If you're unfamiliar, you definitely should. A lot of interesting stuff. And at some point we may actually do an episode on hauntology because it's something that has really captivated my imagination. Um, it's just, it's, it's lovely. You know, I know it's a bit gauche to say that about something I've made myself, but it is. It's just pretty dang lovely. It's called, as I said, Till the End, and I'm going to leave you with it. So uh, enjoy, and I'll see you guys in two weeks' time. (laughs) 